Some colleagues of mine think I am out of my mind auctioning a sermon every year. I love raising funds for First Parish, but I also love the adventure of knowing if somebody is going to bid, and if they do, who will win? Most of all, I relish listening to the winner or winners explaining their ideas for the sermon to me. David and Leslie Light, the winners of the sermon this year, sent me the following suggestions. What is the difference between love and the divine? We often hear that God is love, and there are many similarities between love and the divine, such as the ability to turn your life around, the ability to provide a deep feeling of well-being, the potential for positive benefits to society, etc. However, it seems that love and the divine must be different, correct? Love is a reaction to the others and the world, while the divine is outside of this world in the spiritual realm. So how are they connected, if at all? Fascinating. So I have some fun and some trepidation and all kinds of feelings about preparing this sermon. So here it goes. I hope you open your hearts and your minds and receive it with the love and care I prepare. And if you have comments or anything, feel free to let me know because we grow out of conversation. So now let's, let us examine the assertion, God is love. In his first letter, John, an unknown elderly teacher, not to be confused with John, Jesus' disciple, tells his community, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, for God is love. There you have it. Adhering to the Christian tradition, the affirmation, as Ishten Aseret, God is love, is written in the Transylvanian Unitarian Churches, and it has been a major tenet of our Unitarian religious tradition. God is one, and God is love, had been repeated for many centuries by Unitarians both in Europe and in America. Here at First Parish, we covenant to answer the call of love. We also declare in our mission statement that we strive to create a community that celebrates the sacred in all. I often wonder, does this love represent the divine or something else? In our liberal, free-thinking congregation, I will be surprised, in fact, in shock, if we all had agreed that the love in our covenant, whose call we affirm to answer, would have been God. I am sure that love means and is something different for each one of us. The same, I believe, goes for our intention of celebrating the sacred in all. What is the sacred for you? What is the sacred for me? A more pertinent question could be, does it make any difference one way or the other what we understand for love and for the sacred? 
I believe that as long as we are all in good conscience, answering to our highest values and living each moment of our precious lives with integrity and good intentions toward each other and toward Mother Earth, the name doesn't matter much. I agree with David's and Leslie's statement that there are many similarities between love and the divine, such as the ability to turn your life around, the ability to provide a deep feeling of well-being, the potential for positive benefits for society. Every day we learn stories of people who turn their lives around either because they love they felt truly loved or because they truly loved somebody. Likewise, untold number of lives keep turning around and feeling deep well-being because they believe in uniting their will with the power of God to help them. Alcoholics Anonymous, for example, comes to mind. Leslie and David News. It seems that love and the divine must be different, correct? I believe so. Love, no matter how sublime, or deep, or fervent, still is an emotion, an attraction, a devotion, if you wish. While God, well, in my view, there is no comparison. Before I share my reflection about what I feel God is, I want to say this. I believe that, God, that by calling God love, or any other name, but particularly love or compassion, we are both setting God up for failure and figuratively for death, and ourselves for disappointment, distrust, and worse. I don't believe I am saying this, but I am. If God is love, how come there is so much suffering and injustice in the world, people ask. If God is love, why didn't he, she, it protect us from the hurricane or the fire or the car accident? The human quest to know and to describe God has existed since the dawn of humanity, and it does not seem to be getting less intense in our times. You, the homesickness we can never shake off, exclaims Rilke echoing that inherent, inexplicable nostalgia for something beyond our senses and consciousness with which we are born. And so to assuage that homesickness, to get closer to that which animates our lives and the life of the universe, we define the attributes of the sacred and, give, and we give names to the holy. We write volumes after volumes containing what we affirm to be the word of God and what we want others to believe is the real story of how we and all beings and the universe came to be. Unfortunately, in our hubris, we have projected our out-of-bounds egos into something we call God. And thus, Hafiz admonishes us. Dear ones, beware of the tiny gods frightened men create to bring an anesthetic relief to their sad days. Throughout history and every day now, we witness staggering destruction and suffering, brought to the world by those who create judgmental, punitive, and destructive tiny gods, 
or omnipotent gods entitled to invade and take the riches of the conquered nations and continents. We have seen how they have oppressed, maimed, and killed enemies and innocents alike, and how they continue to do so in the name of those gods. A few of us here might remember the excitement that Nietzsche's revival of the 19th century phrase, God is dead, produced during the 1960s. Do you remember? I do. We innocently believe that those tiny as well as those omnipotent gods created by our thirst for power will die and with them much of the misery and destruction will go away. In his Thus Spake Zarathustra, Nietzsche wrote, Thus spake the devil, in, devil in, unto me once on a time. Even God had his hell. It is his love for man. And lately did I hear him say these words, God is dead, of his pity for man had God died. What a tremendous indictment on humans. We are God's hell, capable of killing God with sadness and despair. Yet, we know that the human quest, yet we know that though we are capable of unspeakable evil deeds, we are also capable of redemption and of amazing goodness. And we know that the human quest for satisfying our existential curiosity about our beginning and our end, as well about that mystery we call God, will continue until our last breath. David and Leslie wonder if love is a reaction to the others and the world, while the divine is outside of this world in the spiritual realm, so how are they connected, if at all? Inasmuch as I believe that the divine is the mysterious force which informs and sustains our existence, for me, it is not outside of the world, but very much part of it. Einstein said, the most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. It is the source of all true art and science. For me, one of the functions of, functions of religion is to help us be comfortable with the mysterious, alleviating thus that homesickness we can never shake off. I believe the arts, the sciences, nature, true friendship, having had their origin in the mysterious, can help us experience it in the measure we open to it. Gratefully, despite our language limitations, poets, philosophers, mystics, scientists have tried to describe quite successfully, in my opinion, their experience of the mysterious. Paul Persol, a neuroscientist, describes awe as an overwhelming and bewildering sense of connection with a startling universe that is usually far beyond the narrow band of our consciousness. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel says that awe enables us to see in the world intimations of the divine, 
to sense in small things the beginning of infinite significance, to sense the ultimate in the common and the simple, to feel in the rush of the passing the stillness of the eternal. Matthew Fox, one of the most foremost theologians of our time, is a specialist on Meister Eckhart, the great theologian, mystic, and truly liberal and liberated priest born in late 13th century Germany. According to Fox, Eckhart preached that the unknown and nameable God is a non-God. And he adds that Eckhart prayed to God to rid me of God in order to sink deeply into ineffable depths of the unfathomable ocean that is God. That unknown and unnameable, that unfathomable, unfathomable ocean was described many centuries ago in the sacred Hindu scriptures, the Upanishads, that. Self is everywhere, shining forth from all beings, vaster than the vast, subtler than the most subtle, unreachable, yet nearer than breath, than heartbeat. I cannot see it, ear cannot hear it, nor tongue utter it. Only in deep absorption can the mind, grown pure and silent, merge with the formless truth. She who finds it is free. She has found herself. She has solved the great riddle. Her heart forever is at peace. Whole, she enters the whole. Her personal self returns to its radiant, intimate, deadless source. As rivers lose name and form when they disappear into the sea, the sage leads behind all traces when she disappears into the light. Perceiving the truth, she becomes the truth. She passes beyond all suffering, beyond death. All the knots of her heart are loosed. I cannot think of a better answer to Leslie's and Davies' question of how love and the divine can be connected than to share the following statement by the famous unknown author of the cloud of unknowing. The divine, who neither humans nor angels can grasp by knowledge, can be embraced by love. A person may, not know, may know completely and thoroughly every created thing and it works. Yes, and God's works too, but not God's self. Thought cannot comprehend God. And so, I prefer to abandon all I know, choosing rather to love that I cannot know. Thought, though we cannot know the divine, we can love the divine. By love, the divine presence may be touched and embraced never by thought. Amado Nervo, the Mexican laureate poet, also gives an excellent example of how love and the divine can connect. He wrote, ¿Cómo es? How is it? In his poem, he asks a series of 18 questions such as, is God personal? Is it impersonal? 
it is essence? Is it substance? It is the conscience of the universe? It is all there is? It is simply the harmony of all forces? And so on. He ends his poem thus. Soul of mine, it has been a long time since you asked those questions. It has been a long time since those things do not interest you anymore. The only thing you know is that you love him. Many centuries ago, Kabir the, uh, said, the parrot gobbles God like a man, but doesn't know God's glory. If you don't see, if you don't touch, what is the use of the name? If we don't see the other, if we can see the need and pain of those around us, if we don't touch them with our kindness, with our compassion and generosity, what is the use of the name? As Fred did last Sunday, I also invite you today to side with the mystery, to live the great adventure, to let yourself be confi confidently carried by the winds of love and trust in the unknown. Let us all cultivate a sense of bewilderment and awe, a capacity for humility facing the mystery, a reverent attitude of love and gratitude for earth, our home, and for all the gifts we receive each day. Amen. Ashe. And blessed be.